Well, all right. Thanks for your patience. Had a little trouble there with getting the stream going, but we're going now. We are live. Welcome to Tech 37. So excited to have you with us and so excited for today's topic. Guys, my name is Rob Boyd. I'll be your host, but it's really all about the experts that we have here. And is it just me or is the music coming in really loud all of a sudden? I'm going to back that down just a hair. I don't want to make sure you don't miss anything. Uh, either way, today today's show is really based on something that came up in a previous Tech 37 episode where I discovered that the, the well at Worldwide Technology runs really deep on these, best I would call it consultative services around uh, for today, as you well know, we're talking about rationalization of our tool sets and specifically security tools. And we've got security experts and business experts on with us today to kind of go through, not to shove the stuff down your throat about what worldwide technology does. Yes, that's important and, and want you to know that, but really what have they learned? What could we learn from them? And if you need to turn to them for help, then by all means you should. But either way, I think you're going to get a lot of value out of today's show because I have just been preparing for it and I plan to get even more now. But either way, welcome to Tech 37. It's your home for technology, education, and collaboration. My name is Gin, because I'll say it again, it's Rob Boyd. Let's go ahead and let's meet the experts, shall we? Well, gentlemen, welcome. What's a, what's a good live show if we don't have a few hiccups getting started? How are you guys feeling? Good. Great. Please don't overwhelm me. Not everybody at once. Let's uh, take our time. Um, <laughs> Fantastic, Rob. Yeah. So happy right, to be here. We got to do the energy up a little bit. Hey, these. I'm so yeah, excited right. to work with you guys on this because uh, in all fairness, you know, I, I'm not meeting you for the first time now. We got to meet in preparation for this and, and, and I've been learning a lot. And so I'm anxious to take that to the next level as we share it with everybody. But let's get everybody on the same page. I'll start with introductions. Matt Berry. I may call you guys by last names here just to avoid the Matt. Because uh, Matt with glasses, Matt with facial hair, none of that works. Um, I think, yeah, Matt Barry, please tell us uh, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we'll just we'll just pretend we're on a football team, Rob, and you're our coach. Uh, so, right. um, so my name is uh, Matt Barry, uh, principal security advisor for our global financial business at uh, WWT. Excellent, excellent. All right, let's get back over here. So that was much shorter and quicker than I thought, but we're going to get back to you, uh, Barry. So long, tell us what you do for worldwide technology. <laughs> so Matt with glasses, Matt with facial hair wouldn't work, but Matt with hair would, would totally work oh, for purpose. Um, so <laughs> I lead our business development organization within our global enterprise business segment here at worldwide. I've been at worldwide for 20 years now. Um, and my team's role is to work very closely with our client managers and our engineering organization to really translate business partnerships and the technology solutions and services that we offer into the financial impacts and outcomes that they can deliver into complex organizations, complex customers. Um, so see a lot of variety and that's where, uh, that's where my team focuses. That's excellent. And that's actually where I think I've, I've started to learn them because I've done security in the past. I'm not as up to date on it as, uh, as Matt and Chris on the sides here. Um, sorry, Barry and Carr, but, um, Either way, I, 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 what you bring and how that factors into the equation to me is an extremely interesting mark of the maturity of the services you guys are, are providing. But again, we're going to be focused on the education side of this. And Christopher, uh, I used your shorter name, so we had everybody with the short first names here. So I may call you Chris, may call you Carr, but either way, tell us what you do for Worldwide. Or you can call me Hey You. It doesn't matter. My mom hey did you. that all the time. That'll narrow it down. <laughs> No, my name is Christopher Carr. I um, 
have been with Worldwide for two years now, and I'm the uh, global security practice manager. Um, we have uh, a practice of advisory consultants that that partner with our. Uh, so we're on the front line. We really uh, go into the companies and shoulder to shoulder with the CISOs and and most of our folks on our team have all been in that role, CISO and on the security side uh, from an advisory perspective. So um, look forward to our, our time together today, Rob. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, so we're going to spend some time. I pulled this quote and I left it on screen to kind of hopefully intelligently use the space we had available to us and the way we were doing the setup here. But this notion of security gaps that come from not the normal places we expect, because just to be clear, we are not here to have a technical security discussion in the sense of here's the latest threats, here's the, uh, here's the bug of the week, here's the update of the month, whatever it may be. Those things are important, but that's a different topic. Um, I want to understand a bit more about and, and, and see what, what are your, what, how far can I push you guys in terms of your willingness to give away some of your intellectual property around these processes. And, um, and so really what I want to start with is, is we do with most things is let's set the context. And so, Barry, I'm going to come back to you and just ask in a real general way, within the context of our discussion today, what, how do you set up the, the challenge? What's the world that most of our customers, be it you know, government, be it uh, uh, private citizens, of course, even, but mainly some organizations, government entities uh, of that sort, where would we find them today that they'd recognize? Yeah, Rob, it's a great question. I think, you know, as you know, I've been at Worldwide for going on nine years now in the industry for uh, close to 19 years. And um, when we look at the different sectors, you know, uh, I've worked in in SLED, you know, global financial on the federal side. As you look across all of these different industries, I think one sort of pervasive trend that, that we see is that there is a tremendous amount of fragmentation uh, across the enterprise. And I think as you start looking at larger organizations, um, as they go multinational, you're dealing with different languages, different culture, um, different regulatory um, requirements, especially on the FinServe side, um, different teams managing different budgets. And so when, when you have that kind of uh, fragmentation, it brings a tremendous amount of complexity to the, um, to the IT space to that ecosystem um you know you think about uh, you know mergers and acquisitions you know you you bring on another organization your tool set could easily increase by 50 percent overnight just through having an acquisition and so now you have teams who are running multiple tools um trying to deliver the same outcome but you know one region uses product a the other region uses product b you know, and efficiency is a is a major issue, and I'm sure Matt Long can will will highlight on that uh, in the future. But as a as a security practitioner, my question is, well, what what happens when a breach actually occurs, right? So we're seeing customers who have a tremendous amount of fragmentation. They're trying to cut costs. They're trying to be more productive. But from a security perspective, when you have a breach and you are in the hot seat and you're you know if you're a CISO or you're a director and you're having to answer to the board and provide you know 15 minute updates of what's going on and you have your teams who are running back and forth looking at different tools they're not integrated together there's not a single pane of glass it, it really causes a lot of uh, a lot of challenge in those critical moments when um you know when when minutes are 
are are valuable and you have to close those breaches and um, get back to business as normal. Okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to ask Chris a question, but first I'm going to remind you guys to mute your do not disturb on your devices or something. We'll pretend that I actually said that because I think I forgot to tell you that before we went live, but I'm hearing emails coming in and your fans are starting to, to, to geek out of the fact that they're seeing you live on Tech 37. And I understand the emotions involved. Um, Christopher, I, as he's talking about the dynamics of security, there's also, I feel like there's an implication in what's being said that, that I don't think is necessarily true, but it's at least people don't think it's true in this notion that, hey, I would imagine there are many organizations that do feel like they have a handle on their security tool sets and they they know what reports can be generated. They feel like they've got some of the visualization, if not all that they want and things like this. And it, it almost reminded me of the kind of a version of the old quote, you know, if a breach happens and no one sees it, did it really happen? Um, I'm curious, Christopher, in terms of your understanding of the context as you that you've gleaned from your customer uh, interactions. What would you expand upon in terms of what Barry brought up there? So in, in especially this year, right? So we've seen uh, a, a various uh, different levels of inter, uh, engagement with the customers. And those business drivers are of, uh, all over the map. Each company has a unique uh, blend of tools. Um, I've worked with some very large pharmaceuticals that have hundreds of tools. And inevitably, as they take this journey or begin this journey, they're very comfortable with a handful of those tools. But what we're finding is those tools aren't um, integrated to each other and they can't, they're not, they're disparate in the fact that they don't um, share data uh, openly with each other, and which then puts a tremendous burden on, on their resources, on the staffing to try to pull that information and so um, as we approach this and as we come um, from a different perspective looking at this and we partner with them in this, um, you have to say to them, listen, you've got gaps, whether you realize it or not, in your tool sets. And you may not be fully functioning or utilizing the full functionality of those tools. And so I think as, as their challenges are vast and different, whether that's financial or whether that's lack of resources or in, in this uh, day and age, it's the pandemic. And, you know, tools don't necessarily equal pandemic, but they do equal the resources that need to, to work those uh, tool sets and, and, you know, the visibility of, of what's going on on the network is probably the most important thing uh, for them. Long, you were going to say something, I feel like. Yeah, Rob, I'd love to just, kind of connect a couple of things that Matt and Chris said. Perfect. Um, right in between one of, two. Let's make one of the together. elements that I heard Chris talk about is they've got all of these tools. There's still gaps, which leaves them exposed from a risk perspective. But there are, but but oftentimes enterprises aren't using all of the features and functionality of those tools. Yeah. Um, and this holds in security, this holds in many different technology domains. Um, but ultimately, by failing to use what all is included in that software, you also have overlap between some of those tools. So it is possible to have gaps that you're not aware of, while at the same time you have overlap within the feature and functionality that you have access to for the tools that you've already invested in. 
And when you think about that, I spend a lot of time with sourcing organizations um, in lines of business. And when you think about that, there's there's cost leak, there's financial leakage in that process, both from a risk exposure perspective, because you have those gaps from an operational perspective. When you find those breaches, you're going from tool A to tool B to tool C to try to figure out where your vulnerability ultimately lies. Um, and then just in capital dollars or, or even operational dollars that you've spent on the software or security tools that you've got deployed in your environment. And those are all critical elements that, that stack up from a financial perspective that makes rationalization a really important thing um, to contemplate, whether it's security or just the applications in your environment more broadly. Well, you know, this is what- You know what else, Matt? I just want to add to that. Security yeah. is arguably- the most fragmented technology domain uh, that we see and that we work with every day. You know, organizations uh, spend significant sums of money uh, on point solutions and, and resulting in sprawl. And as Matt Barry said earlier, you know, through mergers and acquisitions, those can those can exponentiate over t- overnight on the number of those tools. And and so it's it's critical that that these uh, CISOs and the CIOs and and those that are in charge understand the the level of um, uh, just having to figure out okay am, is my risk being reduced or is are we leaving ourselves wide open somewhere? Well, this is what I like because because Long is in this conversation. And I actually had this question for you in terms of how common is it for worldwide technology to include this level of, of kind of financial expertise, at least uh, because in my history, and granted my history is very narrow and confined and doesn't necessarily represent everybody, but it, to me it's always been about the technology. I always, to me it's always about uh, the, the nerd knobs and the stuff like this. And so that's where every conversation in my head usually goes. But what I love about this is your involvement because what you're saying is really important. Uh, everyone is saying, yes, we need to be understanding, and this needs a more mature understanding, that risk, reducing risk is always the biggest thing that we're after. It's never getting to zero. It's about how how well do we understand our risk? What's important to us individually as a company because it's unique for everybody? How do we reduce it? And then what you're saying, Long, is you're saying um, that these things are quantifiable from a financial perspective, which everybody cares about because at the end of the day, that's the only way things get funded. And sometimes that's the only way things change when people realize that the that the pain is a financial of a financial sort. And so I can, so I'm answering my own question here in terms of why you're involved because you, the way you were answering that previous note. Um, and I'll just let everybody in the audience know the quote that we have on screen is from an article that is linked below. Uh, if it's not linked below the video as you're watching it, you'll find it at www.com because there was another one. And then I want to make this the last question just in terms of the challenges because I don't want to get in the methodology because we're all going to spend some time. But I had this thing. There's a quote that you guys have in this article, and I was thinking, but it, it was a, based on a forestry report, forest, forester, not forestry report, totally different industry. Um, those people are important. Um, but Matt Berry, uh, I was going to ask you this. Forrester, you said in this article, said anyway, states that 55% of respondents to this, to this survey uh, were using 20 or more tools between security and operations. 20, do you think that's high or low in your experience? Hmm. I, I think I think in my experience um, that the number seems awfully low. Uh, now I'm not yeah. sure if it, if it's yeah. because the, uh, the the report was you know people were self-identifying the information That's based on, on you know yeah maybe their limited visibility. 
Uh, I mean, I, I would say uh, generally a good number to look at is probably around 75 to 100 tools. And, and I think it's important to also define what we mean by tool um, in this. So what we mean when we say tools rationalization, we're referring to you know, any commercial off-the-shelf off the solution that's delivered through hardware, software, or as a service that functions as a security control to protect corporate assets, whether that's an endpoint, whether it's your network, uh, whether it's your data or your identities. So I, I think I think generally about 75 to 100. You know, if your if your organization has a long history of mergers and acquisitions, and you're looking at you know seven eight hundred thousand endpoints, which we have been in at Worldwide, I think you know you're going to be a little bit farther to the right of that of that average maybe you know if you're a if you're an airport or you're a university you might be you know a, a little bit on the lower side but i think that's a good number to work with i was just thinking i'm an airport but that was airplane yeah um this is a problem with it. adults with add um see you at the bar tonight um the um uh, well one of the things i also think too is and you mentioned security is the probably suffers the most out of, you know, the groupings that we kind of put our tools in, operational tool sets or cloud, whatever you want to say. But I think in my experience with security is that usually it's quite often bought reactively. It's one of those tool sets that most purchases happen in these emotional stages where it might be the last vendor you spoke with who had something cool on endpoint security. Uh, and then all of a sudden, but then something's in the news about, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, encryption or something, and so you f suddenly feel it necessary, and finally you're doing you know dual passwords and and uh, two-factor authentication or something to that effect. And so these things come in. I would assume you guys were seeing as you well you mentioned overlapping capabilities um, and things like this. So let's get into the methodology. Uh, is this a good time to get into the methodology? Or did you have any other comments on kind of understanding the challenge? Yeah, I yeah, think I, the I, last comment that I'd make, Rob. Yeah, the last comment that I would make in regards to this is, is you were you were talking about you know you you have this urgency impact or recency impact and you're buying tools reactionally to what has occurred or taken place and and, and I want to be clear on some of the overlaps and feature and functionality that we're talking about like it could be perfectly logical to have some level of overlap based on your own organization's policies what you deem as best in class in your environment. Mm -hmm. Our perspective is that you just want to be intentional about where that is and make that be a conscious choice for your overall security and operational strategy as opposed to something that just happens. Yeah. So Chris, do you believe in conscious decision-making or are you more fly by the seat of your pants? No, I see a lot more fly by the seat of the pants. But you not see that, me, okay, but, I was gonna say, but not you. Got it, okay. <laughs> Not from us, but um, I have been in that role before, and you know it's that it's that uh, squirrel moment, you know. And you were talking about ADHD or ADD, and and you know, whoop, there's a new product or or whatnot. But you know what we see a lot of, and and what really is relevant about this subject is that organizations often begin this journey uh, down this you know security tools rationalization completely overwhelmed. They've gotten to a point where they're overwhelmed and they start asking questions. You know, why, why don't we see the value in our current investments? You know, or we have too many tools and few are integrated. And that's really the crux of what we see when we're we're talking to these folks. And and again, you've already listed and, and both Matt's have listed out how we got here and what yeah. the 
what the uh, number of tools may have piled up to be in, in a month of Sundays. However, um, you know, that's where we, the, the rubber meets the road for us. And we partner with those security professionals, come alongside of them and say, listen, let, let's take a, a measured approach to looking at the overlay of these tools within the cyber defense uh, matrix. And, you know, so that's built a lot off of NIST. A lot of folks use NIST. And uh, so, and this is a, a great slide uh, yeah. for well, you guys going down. Together. And I, I, while you're talking, go yeah. ahead and walk through this slide. I'm glad you brought NIST up because I did have a question around how well the, your, your methodology matches up with what you know, we might call common policy frameworks or security frameworks. Sure. And it sounds like you guys, uh, so it, so there's no secret sauce in the sense that you're probably liberally taking from those as any security professional would, because it's a common body of, of, uh, of knowledge. And then, so this here, as I understand it, if you could walk us through, is kind of a big picture look at a, at the journey or the process that someone or an organization might go through. I don't, if you don't mind leading that, Matt, um, sorry, not Matt, Chris, and then either Matt, feel free to jump in and, and uh, add some additional color. So um, one of the things that I'll, I'll mention here is that uh, we, I have partnered with some firms here recently that, again, they're completely overwhelmed, uh, whether that's because of the, a lack of uh, resources staff-wise or, or whatever it might be, but they know they need to do something. And so that's where they engage us. Um, we typically have a workshop that we work, we can work with them. That's a two to a five day workshop. Um, and that's in the discovery phase. That's identifying all of the tool sets. We need to understand if they have visibility into their assets. And that goes uh, into the NIST uh, overlay. And, and then once we've identified all of those uh, tools, and laid them over the uh, cyber defense matrix. That takes us to the gap analysis level, and that's where we start to build out uh, and identify those those areas of uh, exposed risk. Okay. And so that report that comes out of that workshop or that uh, engagement with them depends on the size of the company and how uh, how many tools. Again, to you know, we normally see about seventy five to one hundred tools, depending on the size of the company. Uh, yep. So quite a few. Um, and, and that scales uh, to different levels of company. And there. Uh, but from that point, uh, Matt, I, uh, Barry, I, I know you and I have worked together on on several of these. And and if you um, I don't know if you have any examples, but I, I know I can share some, but I'd like for you to share an example of some that we've done in the past um, to work with maybe the industry that we were in. I know we did some manufacturing here recently. Manufacturing is picking up quite quite a bit here. Um, and we follow that, that NIST uh, framework for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm happy to happy to hop in here. So, so what you're looking at here, I mean, just to take a step back, I mean, from from a WWT perspective, this is our this is our methodology. We're putting that out there. So uh, you can understand our, our thought process, how we uh, work from beginning to end. If you are a, you know, a practitioner working for a company, very likely you've done a few of these different steps. Maybe there's a, 
you know, a few others that you could start looking into. But, um, you know, when when we work with customer, I'll give you I'll give you a, a really good example that that we see quite frequently. Uh, when we go into customers, uh, there's one one customer we went into uh, recently. They had um, again a lot of fragmentation, multiple different solutions, a lot of technical debt. Um, what we see is oftentimes there are um, opportunities to um, to to consolidate the uh, the OEMs, the different vendors that you have in your environment, in order to um, create more visibility, have better integration points. Um, and and have some cost savings. So uh, with one particular customer uh, went in and, you know, many of the big OEMs out there, I mean, you know their names, all, you know, Cisco, Palo, VMware, they, they all have solutions that, you know, if you look at, at the NIST uh, cybersecurity framework and the five different operational functions of that framework, they have solutions that that address all of those different challenges. And what we're able to do with one customer is they, they had already invested quite heavily in um, in Workspace One. They had invested in in Carbon Black from an endpoint perspective, and and by uh, by looking at the gaps, they were able to you know deploy some additional VMware capabilities and and wrap that into an enterprise license agreement uh, and, and save themselves some money. Um, and, and you know, for me, I'm a, I'm a technical person. I'm I, I don't come from the same background as Matt Long, but um, as one techie speaking to another techie, what I can say is the reason why finances matter is the more cost savings that you can, uh, more cost savings efforts that you can support um, in your organization, it creates more budget um, to be able to buy more nerd knobs, as uh, as Rob mentioned. So, okay. Um, okay, now you know, I'm, now when, I'm in with I like it. All right. Now, now you're intrigued, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, what, I mean, I'll just throw one more fact out there and I'll throw it up, you know, if anyone wants to comment, but, um, you know, from last year to this year, what we've seen is the spending, um, on security per endpoint has increased from about $2,300 per endpoint per end user up to $2,700 per end user. Right. So that's a tremendous amount of funds that are going into providing security you know, and and if you have initiatives that you're wanting to push forward, let's say you're interested in in rolling out deception, or you're you're interested in a new DLP um, capability, and what you're hearing from management is, you know, we, you know, we just don't have the budget for it. Being able to go in and eliminate redundancies, maybe leverage, you know, enterprise agreements, you may be able to free up, you know, five to twenty to thirty dollars per endpoint in terms of budget, and all of a sudden now you have doors open in order to push, you know, some of your strategic initiatives um, down the down the football field. I mean, you're looking at remote worker uh, or remote everywhere, as I think has yeah. been coined and and uh, just just a lot of opportunity if we can just put our business hat on, um, you know, and see things from a different perspective. I bet Matt Long is chomping at the bit here. Matt, you yeah, want to go to the next to, slide? You want to speak to I have financial? to chime in. Yeah, you can leave it here, Rob, actually. Here. I want okay, to, go I want ahead. To chime Look in, at you. But I also want to, I feel the need to clarify something here. Uh-oh. I did now, go to Let me ask you this. Why is financials not in, in the circle of trust, as I made up? Um, there's two dotted line circles in here with the big areas, and then financials is kind of uh, out sitting at a different lunch table. Go ahead, Matt. 
Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I will answer that question, Rob. So don't worry. Okay. But, right. but what I have to clarify here is I love nerd knobs too. So I went to engineering school, so I have an engineering background. So I just want to make sure that we're, uh, that we're not painting with too broad of a brush when it comes to the numbers thing, because what you notice there is unbeknownst to Barry, he was very quickly articulating why the financials matter when it comes to these types of decisions yeah. and in some of these, these types of efforts and I, I want to spend a minute on the discovery process because it lays the foundation for everything else. And what we see in this space, um, everyone has seen the, the iceberg slides and, and you know that most of the iceberg is below the water. Right. But what we see is a lot of organizations just don't know what they don't know. And, and until you have visibility to what the magnitude of the current estate is, you don't know what the opportunity is um, to change it. And once you know that, to, to Barry articulated it very well, all of a sudden you have this financial lens through which you can see I am spending a lot of money year over year on things that I either don't need or I can get someplace else. And so you're not even necessarily replacing or increasing a budget to fund some of these efforts, but they become self-funding initiatives because the money in the budget is already allocated, but now you've got the ability to make a data-driven choice for what it is you're going to move forward with or what you're not. All right, I'm gonna move, I wanna to move to the slide because this, and, and since you're speaking, I want you to keep the mic in your hand here because Walk us through this, because I think that is, again, I started off this conversation saying this is one of the things that impressed me a lot about the maturity of the service that you guys are providing and, and how you're looking at this from different angles, because they all do feed each other. Uh, but this is not just saying it, and generally there's a methodology behind this. Uh, can you walk us through what we're seeing here? Because we, we only got 10, 15 minutes total sure. in the stream anyway, and I, uh, but I'm having fun. So go ahead. Yeah, I'll touch on a number of these, perhaps not all of them, because um, there's some key ones here that apply to, to this conversation. So I'm going to be more on the left, the left hand portion of, of the slide here around expense reduction, risk mitigation, partner simplification and OEM rationalization, along with some of the underlying methodologies and services, because that really is wh where there are financial elements of these areas that are often missed or, or just undervalued. We've already talked about a number of them around um, just the overlap of tools, um, vulnerabilities that you may have or gaps in your uh, security strategy that you might not know about. So those are relatively obvious, but some of the ones that aren't necessarily as obvious come into just how you're making the technology decision for what is the right set of security tools to deploy into your environment and how do you do that in a quick and cost-effective way? And it's leveraging innovative ways of, of testing and, and evaluating products and, and labbing things up in, in a cost-effective way so that you can move forward with that selection or with that purchase and put it into production all in an accelerated time frame, but also in a way that's much faster um, from a productivity standpoint for your people. There's a lot of time and expense that, that engineers and architects spend in just evaluating different solutions. And if you can cut that time in half, 
you can cut that time by three quarters, that returns precious time back to those individuals. And a lot of times it also it saves capital dollars as well because sometimes you have to purchase smaller license packages or hardware or software to make sure that it's gonna be fit for purpose. And, and by doing things in a more streamlined way, there is an opportunity to, to bring down some expense associated with that decision-making process. Well, this and the other well, let me just cut you off there for one second. I'll tell yeah. you finish with that. But I am curious if, does this result in, I could see someone finding immediate benefit and understanding that the tool rationalization, they're like, okay, finally, we're putting a stick in, saying from this point, we're going to figure out where we are so that we're working more efficiently. Do you see, have, have, have some of your clients, customers, however you word it, have they changed how they then purchase from that point forward? And they have a more, um, uh, uh, a conscious mindset about how they're going to do this to maybe not completely avoid some of this stuff, maybe in unavoidable, but they, now they could do it with a lot more eyes wide open, so to speak. Does that happen? It, short answer. Yes, Rob, obviously there's a lot of, there, there's kind of variability in what that looks like from one customer to another. Um, but, but I think that mindset, I've seen that shift, um, not only related to just security, but just in general, especially when you're talking about enterprise agreements can drive that type of behavior because you get access to a number of feature sets that then if you're exploring an alternative or if someone who really loves the nerd knobs gets infatuated with an alternative offering, it needs to be exponentially better than, than what you already have access to in your environment. And so it just drives a completely different set of conversations yeah. um, that's healthy for the organization, um, not only from a financial point of view, but for operational and everything else. It gets you to that conscious level of decision-making, taking into account a number of different perspectives in, in how you're going to operate and move forward. Perfect. Do you mind if I go to this next image that you guys were sharing with me here? I'll just go ahead and do it. And uh, let me have you walk us through this. If you don't mind, uh, stay with it long. Um, explain what we're looking at here. Yeah, it, it's just a, it, the, the numbers in and of themselves for, for this are more broad than, than just security tools ras rationalization. But what I want to highlight uh, is, is just some of when we can sit down and, and figure out what the, the magnitude of that challenge is to drive some of the change that we're talking about, you can really identify significant sums of money that are out there around um, avoiding new equipment purchases, um, reducing your lab expenses, accelerating or improving the productivity of the engineers and architects that you have um, employed in your environment. Um, and it really takes understanding the current lay of the land um, around some of the topics that we've been discussing um, to, to put a number to it and to be able to, to know the opportunity out there um, to, to initiate some of the change. And I, and I said this before, but, I, but it's worth saying again, is creating scenarios or efforts that are self-funded because you've identified sufficient opportunity or sufficient, you know, quote unquote, waste um, that, that you can repurpose some of those dollars, which is critically important. I have not yeah. talked to a customer that is not tasked with doing more with less um, or, or facing flat or declining budgets, whatever you want to call it. There's always an element of being more efficient and mindful of the dollars that you spend. Yeah. I, I, this, again, that's why I love this point. I actually want to go back to this image here 
just to make sure as we're kind of wrapping things up, I want to make sure it was clear. You've got two phases listed here. These are actual, since we're kind of toward the end here, these are actual um, uh, programs that you deliver for customers. These are engagements. I think looking at the word, actually, you call the second one, phase two, is an engagement versus the workshop. Am I right in understanding that a, a workshop going through this discover, the gap analysis, and some reporting, you mentioned how important the discovery process is, because I imagine that's the difference between me saying I only use 20 tools in my organization versus the 100 that it turns out I actually use. Those kind of things must come up. Is that a lighter weight thing for someone who just wants to dip their toe in the water and see if it's something that is worth further uh, time and, and, and whatever type of investment needed? Rob, it's, it's a barometer. You know, the workshop yeah. is more of a barometer okay. um, based on whether or not, uh, and from that gap analysis that's, that's reviewed from that, it helps that customer understand that um, the investments that they made, it is, it's got, it takes us to the next level. So the, the engagement actually is a full-blown deep dive. We're going to look at the license seats. We're going to look at the different things um, within each tool set as that overlays that CDM or that cyber defense matrix. And then from that, we're going to build out a strategic roadmap. So that strategic roadmap is going to have recommendations in it for retiring uh, tools, maybe um, joining two tools together. So that strategic roadmap is really what's important uh, for moving your security program forward to be much more uh, efficient or the efficacy of that program uh, from your tools. So phase two is critically important. It is, um, and, and like I said, that roadmap then leads to remediation, the steps that are needed uh, to uh, either tweak. And, and so what if, what if your tools need to be tweaked better or maybe have a a different view from them, maybe. And that's why we start with your assets, your high value assets, what assets that you're starting with or to protect. And from there, uh, you know, those assets can be data. It can be the end users. It can be networks of, you know, uh, switches, routers, all of those applications yeah. um, that extends into the cloud. Uh, applications within the cloud as well, and then system systems and appliances throughout. Um, where do they fall within the NIST framework? And that's why we use the NIST framework for this is to um, articulate the identify, protect, detect, respond, recover, and it will flesh out which pieces of those uh, applications or security tools um, are either not configured properly to cover that, or it leaves that gap. That's why that gap piece is so That's important. what I was, I'm glad you did it. You brought it right back. Cause I was like, cause what you're looking at is you're looking to identify the gap between where you think you are to where you need to be or want to be. Um, and, right. and the beauty of these frameworks is, is that all of those are to a certain extent, sometimes are a frame, you know, cause it's an attempt to, to have a baseline to be able to say, what is secure? Because that's forever the unanswerable question, um, you know, because it's different that's answers. That workshop, does, Rob. That, that workshop is the baselining of okay. where you are today. It's going to give you a, a, a metric score of where you are and, and identify those gaps. From there, we're going to engage you to do a full-blown deep dive. And that full-blown okay. deep dive 
is where you're really gonna have the financial savings and quantify those, those savings there. But if I just did the workshop, if I just do that, what I assume it looks like I'm gonna get some value out of that, right? I don't- Oh, absolutely, let, let, yeah. Okay. Let me hop in here, Chris. Yeah, so um, so you're look you're looking at this slide, and and Rob, you sort of astutely picked out the fact that hey, financials is sort of out there. It's not all one big box. Let me just simply say this: we work with uh, a number of different customers that are at different uh, maturity levels or different you know complexity levels. And so when when we engage in a tools rationalization process we engage at different levels based on where the customer is and what their needs are. So we do have some customers who come to us and they say, listen, I don't have time to, um, to, to bring everyone into the room for multiple days or a series of weeks to do discovery. I just want to start with, with the workshop. And so we can, we can deliver that, that first phase, you know, just a one day uh, multi-day uh, workshop where we do that initial discovery. Um, we find that other customers are already at that point where they have a really good understanding of their environment, but they struggle with the phase two, which is, you know, I don't even know what metrics, you know, I need a review of the metrics that I'm using to yeah. report. Uh, I need I need help with roadmaps. We have virtual CISO, you know, sorry, I'm getting into the sales piece, but we have, we have different um, approaches based on where customers are at. And that financial piece, we find that, you know, to, to really do a deep dive into the financials, it takes some time. It takes time looking at contracts, looking at renewal dates. Um, but but that's, you know, we, we intentionally call that out as something separate because some customers aren't ready for that yet. But I think the customers who are uh, ready to go on that journey see a lot of value. Well, it's interesting. I feel like you guys are also kind of putting yourself out there and going, we're committed as part of this process to finding a, a quantifiable justification for the work, for the things that may be recommended. It's still the customer's choice, I would imagine, to take your recommendations and do something with them. But nonetheless, the data is provided. And with that, I apologize that I want to kind of cut you guys off, but I want one final question here. Uh, you guys can still all weigh in on it, I guess. But Christopher, I wanted to ask you about... Um, because this is always what I'm curious about. I go through this process, be it the workshop or the full-on engagement. Let's say for the whole thing, I'm, I'm full in. What do I leave with at the end of this experience that is, because I got to think that that must be important. You're not holding all the data and forcing me to work with you forever just to be able to implement it, right? No. So I'm going to speak to the full engagement. What do you end up with? So that full engagement, you're going to end up with a strategic roadmap that you can implement or you can partner with someone to help implement those and remediate those uh, areas or those gaps that we've identified for you. We're not necessarily coming in and saying, hey, you need to use this tool or that tool. What we're doing is we're looking at all of your tool sets and then yeah. uh, narrowing that down to what they best were. You know, I'm going to ask the original question. Why did you buy this tool? Yeah. What was the reason for employing this tool? Well, I didn't buy it. We we, we inherited we, it. We, inherited we, we, it. A merger or something else. It was, yeah, mergers and acquisitions. Okay. Oh my so God. Then, yeah. then we transition from there to a business need or what's the driver, the business driver for having that and for what that tool should or should not be doing. And then we make those recommendations from years of experience from the NIST framework so that it's, it's coming from a solid 
um, risk for, uh, and reduction level. Broadly accepted. And you so, didn't just make it up. Yeah. No, no. And, you know, every what we're finding, Rob, every organization is uniquely different in some way. Oh, sure. And, you know, so what we do is we partner with them, talk, uh, you know, uh, to come alongside, understand their business needs and what understand their business as well as the, the reasons and the, the, how the tools were employed yeah. and then help them formulate that strategic roadmap. That's what they're going to walk away with. Okay. And we're there. Yeah. We're there to partner with them forever, but you know, we'd love to do that, but it may, we, we understand that, that we're there just to help them be efficient in their financial utilization of the resources they've been uh, given. Matt Long, are, it looked like you're bursting to say something, but I could be misreading yeah. your body language. <laughs> no, I, I think what I'd just close out what Chris said is, you know, ultimately having the 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 roadmap and visibility is, is obviously a critical part of it. So there's value in, in getting there. But another thing that, that can be missed is just the complexity to actually make it happen mm. and, and, and identifying kind of where you're at in the roadmap. It's hard. I'm not going to say it's easy, but, but it's equally as complicated to execute on things and have practical steps that you take together, prioritizing those actions. And I think that's just another critical part of the methodology that, that Matt and Chris walked through is the practical nature of otherwise you just get overwhelmed and, and being able well, we to stay, stay in firefighting mode all the time. Yeah. 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 And so I imagine the agility you know, that comes out of something like this, we got to wrap it up. Go ahead, Chris. What is he going to say? All right. Just one last thing. I just wanted to say that most of the folks on our team have sat on the other side of that desk where that CISO or that CIO CTO, been and so we've been through those scars and been through those fires like you were just talking about so we want to you know our our enjoyment is helping them right um attack this from a different perspective and help them not be so overwhelmed in this journey that's perfect gentlemen thank you so much matt berry matt long christopher carr you guys are awesome. I appreciate your time. Let me go ahead and uh, let's go out here. So, you know, one of the things that comes up with these things, guys, and appreciate you tuning in for Tech 37. And once again, you could, of course, do these things yourself. Uh, and if you're screenshotting and looking at ideas, power to you. You should. Uh, but nonetheless, we've seen, I've seen many situations where, boy, does it really help just to step away and go, I need some help. I need something to help me separate from the firefighting mode and everything that's on my desk and try to figure out how to make this work so it sticks. This is a full uh, complement of services designed and having been modified over time as these guys have worked with multiple customers over time. Obviously, they can't call that information out here. It's all very personal, but it's extremely valuable. You're going to find a really good article connected to this. If you don't see it here at the video, however you happen to be watching it, uh, certainly go to WWT.com and you can find this stuff very easy, whether it be the workshop or the article also has some additional details. It was written by the same people you just met here now, and I think you'll find it valuable as well. If you're just kind of curious and you're not quite sure what to do next, you may get a few additional ideas there. Either way, my name is Rob Boyd. I want to thank you and thank you, Worldwide Technology. Thank you guys for watching the show. We'll see you on the next Tech 37.